Welcome to Caring Conversations, featuring the voices of those who care. With Brenda Blaze Nesbitt for caregiving.com. Right. Welcome, everybody, back to Caring Conversations. My name is Mike Aizani. I am the CEO of caregiving.com. And we're bringing it back. We're bringing care- Caring Conversations back to the world. We're revitalizing it. We're dusting it off, we're putting a fresh new layer of paint on it, if you will, and taking it around town to show it off because we're excited about this new theme, about this new sort of strategy for the conversation to take on. And ultimately, at the end of the day, we're excited about the positive impact we think it can create in caregivers' lives. The first question I'll address is why bring it back? And I think the, the short answer to that is there's a part of the, the caregiving content ecosystem that I think is missing today. And it's those conversations, it's those stories that, that caregivers themselves need to be telling uh, about their personal experience. And I also think that at the end of the day, capturing those stories and and sharing them with the world is going to not only bring a lot more light to this industry and, and this group of people, this amazing people in the world, but I think it's also going to be really helpful for folks um, to see themselves in the speaker's um, shoes and, and to really have those stories resonate with them. I think it helps people feel not so alone. So with Caring Conversations, I think the other thing that I want to point out is that it's going to be a little bit different now. Um, we've talked a lot about the strategy for it. And you know, a couple of things I'll point out, it's going to be a lot more organized now. We've got the full production going into it. So the level of quality is going to be much higher than it ever was before. It's going to be a lot more consistent. So we're going to be sticking to a sort of more consistent consistent schedule, a more consistent audience lineup. And it's going to be a lot more organized in terms of where we're putting them, how we're sort of keeping them together, bunched up. One of the things I think challenged a lot of our listeners with carrying conversations before was that it sort of meandered from one topic to another and there wasn't a lot of theme. And and if you ever wanted to go back and reference or, or search through old conversations, it wasn't a really good way to do that. So Everything that we're recording for Caring Conversations is also going to be housed on caregiving.com. It'll be easily found there. They'll be easily searched and categorized so we can get to them. And the other thing that I'll point out that I think it's a little bit different is we're doing sort of a, a season strategy with caregiving.com. And, and I'll let our, our new host, who I'm prepared to introduce now, tell you a little bit more about that. That host of season one is going to be none other than Brenda Blaze Nesbitt, who is joining me now. So hi, Brenda. Hi, Mike. How are you? I'm fantastic. I'm so excited about this. We've been you know, hitting this ball back and forth now for I don't know, six, seven months. A lot of ideation, a lot of creativity going back and forth. And I'm really excited about where this is headed. For those of you who don't know Brenda, obviously Brenda is well-connected and really engaged in the caregiving community. So you can find her on, on LinkedIn. You can find her participating as a contributor of caregiving.com. But for those who don't know, Brenda, you have 27 years experience, I think. 27? 28 now. 28 now uh, as a caregiver to to your daughter. You were the 2019 Caregiver of the Year Award winner by caregiving.com. I was. Thank you. We'll never fail to point that out. (laughs) And you're an influencer. You're an expert. You're a speaker, a caregiving coach. I I mentioned a caregiving.com contributor. And now you're the host of Caring Conversations. So welcome to the platform. Thank you. I am super excited too, Mike. And I'm so honored that caregiving.com has considered me for this role. I'm super excited. 
about the content I'm going to bring to the listeners for this season. There's a lot of reasons for the choice here. And, and, and I think we'll get into some of those. And I think the, the listeners will really start to understand more about that as we talk a little bit more about your story. But why don't you start there? Why don't we start with your story? Tell us a little bit about you and your caregiving story and sort of how you got to this space. Okay. Well, as you all know, my name is Brenda. And I care for my daughter, whose name is Nikki. She just turned 28. She was not breathing when she was born. And as a result, she suffered global brain damage and cannot walk, talk, or feed herself. It was a shock that this happened, and it threw me into a system that I had no idea existed. Really, I I feel like I lived quite a sheltered life prior to that. And I actually grew up with a brother who also is disabled, but I had no idea what my mother actually went through in raising him. My daughter has brought so much into my life, and I am very passionate about helping other caregivers, other parents, find their way through the maze that they will find themselves in on a caregiving journey. My daughter's been through a lot in her life. She is severely physically disabled. She's very medically fragile, and she's technologically dependent. So there's a lot of medical complexities. You know, when you're expecting a child, you expect a world of some unknowns getting to know your baby, their norms. But then when you have a child who's born with a disability, you have a whole new world to get to know and a whole new language. Because if you're not already in the medical field, you have no idea what words those doctors and nurses are using. And you have to go through a pretty fast learning curve. As we've talked, I have four children of my own. And what you just said resonated with me quite a bit in that, yeah, you expect some unknowns with any child. But even then, the expectation around, well, I'll find my way through that process is very, it's very normal, right? You just sort of expect that millions of people have been through this before me. I've got family members who have done it. I've got friends who have done it. So I'll have a support system right out of the gate. There won't be any questions unanswered. So there's not a lot of fear, unknown, you know, complexity. But when you talk about your experience, oh my gosh, it's like that all of that sort of network and support system goes immediately out the window because now you feel you're the only one. Yeah. And you've got, you got to get a PhD really quick, right? Yes. Like it's, and you know, I use that term PhD. That will come up. Yes. That will come up. Right. Yeah. It's a completely foreign world that you can enter into. And whether, whether you have a situation like mine where you're, baby is born with a disability or your child acquires an illness or an injury, you are thrown into a world and you have no idea what's out there to help you. You might have some family close by who will jump in. In my case, my family all lived far away. So it was a very isolating experience and also not just in the physical health, but in the emotional health. Everybody has their way of going through their grief and grief denial acceptance. And I found that some family members were at different levels than me. So it's navigating that world as well. You might be finally feeling like, okay, I can take this on, but there might be resistance from other family members insisting it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. 
but they're not going to the doctor's offices and appointments and, and hearing the actual prognosis. And, and it's staying it's, up till 2 and 3 a.m. doing the research and the reading and yeah. Yeah, or all night with a screaming baby because there's brain right. trauma. And yeah, it's a pretty isolating world because also there's an expectation that, well, you're a parent to a baby. And that's our job. It's our job to take care of our children. But what we didn't sign up for was also not being just a parent, but becoming the doctor and the nurse and the physiotherapist and the pharmacist and coordinating all of that together. Basically, you become custodian to CEO in your child's life. And I was just, I was sort of making a note of several of the things you said, I think, I think to the people who know you, it makes perfect sense, right? And, and to those who are just sort of meeting you now, I think you can, it, it's very clear to see how this sort of transition from caregiver in your personal life to your daughter and this sort of experience of being sort of the point person to everyone else in that care circle, the teacher, the coach, the advisor, you know, you said, you know, families oftentimes will either resist or lag behind in terms of that acceptance. You can see now why, and maybe you had different different sort of reasons behind it, but you can see for me at least why you would have gone into sort of this coaching consulting role because you were sort of playing it naturally with the rest of your family. Like, so really taking a lot of that advocacy and that ability to sort of really communicate what needs to happen. Having gone through that experience, I can see why naturally it would fall, it would fit for you to want to do that for other folks and other people maybe that are going through a similar situation. When I look back through my journey, I wish that I had someone who had my back and someone who could guide me through this maze I found myself in and make that journey a little bit easier so that I could avoid some of those wrong or those dead ends that I came up across. And there was some resistance from me even in the beginning. I remember taking my daughter home from the hospital finally and the nurse chasing after me with a piece of paper. You need to call this organization. They will help you. They will help you take care of your daughter. <laughs> and I was like, no, no, no. I'm taking care of my baby. I'm getting her out of this place. I'm taking care of her. But little did I know that that organization had a year and a half waiting list. So a year and a half later, when I was exhausted and burnt out and needed to ask for help, it was still a year and a half waiting list. So if I had that little voice that told me, humor me, just put your name on because in a year and a half, you might need that. And if you don't need it, that's fine. You can put it off a little bit longer. But those little tidbits of information and then also through the last 28 years, and advocating not just for my daughter's needs, but for the needs in specifically my community, I find myself reinventing the wheel. I find myself advocating for things that parents ahead of me advocated for. And then I'm coming across with parents behind me who are advocating for the same things I advocated for. Mm -hmm. So it can be a little bit frustrating for parents to always be in that position. And it takes a ton of time, and a ton of energy that could be better used towards their children. Oh, I, that to me, if nothing else, for me, especially, you know, when I think about the work we're doing at caregiving.com, if, if, if we do nothing else, if we can just communicate from one generation or one group of caregivers to the next, here's what we did, here's what we've experienced, 
in hopes that it will just shortcut people to getting there faster, getting to the answer faster, getting to that resource faster, getting on that waiting list six months earlier than they would have otherwise. Like that to me is a, is a really, really noble cause. And, and one of the things I think as we've talked in preparation for this and sort of strategizing about this, you know, the Caring Conversations podcast and the direction we wanted to take it, you, your experience, obviously, I think a lot of your learnings and in the, the work you do now, it, it really does transcend caregiving situations, caring for an adult child. There's a ton of similarity and strategy and coaching that could be applied to many, many different caregiving situations. As we think about what we're trying to do and and capturing those stories and really relate to people, the idea for caring conversations to really be grouped or, or bucketed into seasons, I think allows us to really, really drill into that experience for a single group of people or a like group of people. And so for this season, obviously, you know, we haven't said this yet, but for this season, season one of Caring Conversations, we're really going to be talking about that continuum. So do you want to maybe walk people through a little bit of of that and what the goal of season one is and what, you know, how you'll walk people through? Absolutely. I find that there is a lot of focus on caregiving for the elderly. And that has really come into focus in the last year with COVID and long-term care homes. It's such an important aspect of caregiving. But like I said earlier, there's an expectation when you have a child that it's the parent's job to look after that child. And they can feel quite invisible and helpless with their caregiving duties. They're also, they may be grieving. They may be grieving the child they thought they were going to have, or they may be grieving the child that they did have prior to an injury. There's a lot of support that parents of children with disabilities need. And one thing that we hear a lot of is, I don't know how you do it. So I believe there needs to be more visibility in the caregiver who is a parent to a child with a disability. How do you do it? We just keep putting one foot in front of the other. And every situation is unique. Every person caring for their child is unique. There may be, I can think of one friend of mine who has a daughter who's very similar to my daughter, but they are different people. And my friend and I are different people. So we handle everything different. However, there is a unique bond that we have because we can relate to each other. This is something very, very special that has been brought into our lives through having our children. And there's a unique bond that can happen between parents and their children with disabilities. But I really feel like not enough people are aware of the challenges that parents of children with disabilities go through. So this season of Caring Conversations is going to follow the trajectory of the lives of children from early on in life or early on in diagnosis to adulthood. So for those who are wondering, what is that like for those parents? You'll find those answers here. For those who are traveling similar journeys, you'll find validation. You'll find a lot of things that resonate with you. You'll find resources and you'll hopefully find community as well. And absolutely that you are not alone in this journey. I don't know everything there is to know 
about caregiving. I couldn't possibly. I know my situation very, very well, but I'm an extremely resourceful person and I'm a very strong advocate. And I want to help families discover that they are not alone, that there is help out there, and to feel empowered to embrace the journey they find themselves on. That's amazing. It's interesting too, you know, we've talked about the the goal is to do 12 episodes this season. And each episode will have uh, a guest that you'll be talking to and and sharing experience with. And the idea is to sort of connect with guests at the different stages on this journey. But ultimately, I think that the goal is just like you said, I think it's to give something that people can see themselves in, that validation, the relevancy to the conversation. I think that more than anything is what people really yearn for. It's what we as human beings yearn for is that community is that place. And it's knowing that someone else understands me and they understand the challenges I'm going through. And I I think, gosh, if we do that 50% of the way, I think we'll have done an amazing thing. And I think there's no better person, quite frankly, on earth to be able to take folks through that journey. Oh, thank you. I'm super excited about it. You know, the other thing just to point out, I think the other reason we look at this as a really neat opportunity is you know, we can take this content in this sort of in this really well, nicely laid out sort of 12 episode season that can be very clearly labeled at different stages. People can come back to it, right? It's something you can come back to. It's something that you could find two years from now that, you know, we'll keep living on caregiving.com so that it can be easily referenceable and found and curated for people. That I think provides sort of really, really built on value in that sort of long, 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 long sort of value build that people will be able to get out of it. 10 plus years from now when they go back and they're looking for content just like this. They're looking for a community and an audience and folks like them. So I totally agree. I think we're doing something really special. So what what's the big hope for you? I talked a little bit about my hope. What's the biggest hope for you from this project? My hope is to shed some light on the, I want to say challenges, but it's not all about the challenges. My hope is to shed beauty into the caregiving journey that many people can find. I mentioned all about the challenges that my daughter has, but she is arguably the happiest person on the face of this planet. And she has allowed me to embrace things that I probably wouldn't have even thought to embrace if I didn't have her. And they're the simplest things, the simplest things. So the smile on her face literally can light up a room. And she might not be able to talk, but her her squeals of joy, there is no way you can be frowning when you hear that or see her smile. She completely lights up everybody around her. And she absolutely feeds the souls of others. And I don't know that I would have recognize that about her. If she could speak words, if she could be the typical teenager and snap back at me, right? (laughs) So there's, I mean, she has brought so much to my life and so much to the lives of other people. She is a joy for all of her care workers and nurses to work with. They love working with her. And that makes me feel very, very proud of her. But there is just so much beauty in seeing life lived through her eyes. 
despite all of the challenges she's had, she can still bring a smile to her face. And people wonder, like, how do you do it? It's a question we're asked a lot. How do you do it? I, my, my response to that is, if you saw a vehicle careening towards your child, would you rush over to your child and save them from that vehicle? I know you have six kids. You said four, but I know you have six. <laughs> we, got two, Would we, got, you... we picked up two extra along the way. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so if you saw any one of your kids in the way of a vehicle coming onto them, what would you do, Mike? Oh, man. Superman. You, right, exactly. So mm-hmm. that's all I do with my daughter. I protect her. Right. Now, yes, it happens a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's you have that adrenaline rush when you see that happening. Parents like myself have that too. It be, does become kind of part of a normal. But when you see the value she brings to not only my life, but the lives of those around her, there it's inescapable. You, you cannot deny that. And unfortunately, that is overlooked a lot of times with children with disabilities and anybody with disabilities. You know, that's coming a lot to the forefront in this last year is the value, their value it can be overlooked. And you fight for that like it's your own. To tie into the, this hope that you have for the project and, and my hope that I share with you for it, if I put myself in that position of diagnosis, even in the case where a diagnosis happens before your child is born, I would imagine myself having a lot of fear and immediately going to Dr. Google and and looking for everything I need to know and probably not finding a lot of silver lining, probably actually finding no silver lining and just bracing myself for what is to be 20, 30 years of just hardship. My hope for this, and I, it's, I think it's, this echoes what you said a little bit, is to provide those parents or, or even families with a little bit of sense that, no, it's not all bad. There's a lot of beauty and there's a lot of joy in this process. Yeah, it's hard. But at the end of the day, there's a lot that we're taking away from it that we have to be thankful for. It's such a blessing to hear that. And I think, too, when I think about this project and I think about Caring Conversations, I don't want people to who are in a different situation to sort of shy away from a season because it's not talking to them. I think as I'm hearing your story now, I'm hearing there's so much positive and there's there's a way to sort of reframe and to think about your life and to find joy in it that I think everyone should be hearing. And I think the conversations that we've got, some of the conversations we've already got lined up are going to be incredibly inspirational. I think there's going to be some amazing stories shared from some of the speakers and guests we've got lined up for this season. So I think by no means, you know, yes, we are trying to sort of create themes, but by no means does this isn't is this not going to be applicable to just about anyone who cares for another human being. And I think it's going to be really special in that way. If you're navigating the system or advocating for a loved one, regardless of of your relationship with that person, you will learn a lot in this season. We can learn from each other as caregivers, no matter what the situation is. And caregivers are the resilient ones, right? We do find a way. And it's, I think it's important that we find each other in this process and lift one another up. So I'm incredibly excited. I'm incredibly honored and thankful that you're, you're willing to go down, and down this journey and down this road with us. We wanted to have everybody you know, welcome you to the community and to, to be the, you know, the official host now of Caring Conversations. And we look forward to the episodes coming out. 
I I won't be involved. So you won't have to listen to me babble on and on about the the business side of things. It's going to be all Brenda all the time. And I think everybody's going to be really, really happy about that. So I think we're pushing it out to all of your favorite podcast hosting platforms. So wherever you're subscribed to this or wherever you like to listen to your podcast, this will be available there. And we'll be sharing it with everybody in the caregiving.com community as well. So you'll, you'll see it there too. So thank you so much, Brenda. We appreciate it. And uh, looking forward to doing this with you. Thank you so much, Mike. I'm very honored and I'm very proud that you're trusting me with this. <laughs> and I, I really hope that all caregivers can gain something from this season and the upcoming seasons as well. I think they're going to be very valuable. I'm very proud to be the, the host for the relaunch of the podcast. Absolutely. I look forward to getting right. to know everyone. All right. Thanks, Brenda. Thank you for listening to Caring Conversations, proudly sponsored by Coaching for Caregivers Canada. For more information about the podcast, resources, and how to reach out to Brenda or our guests, we welcome you to visit caregiving.com slash caringconversations or find us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Mm-hmm.